So I want to read first uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You've just found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And the second reading is Luke chapter 2 and verses 1 to 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Recently in the news, Prince Harry got engaged to Meghan Markle. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, he's a British royal and she's an American actor. So I've, I've got a couple of questions I want to start with for you. And if you can do this just in maybe in groups of four or five or whatever little cluster you've got there. And here's your two questions. First thing, what would be the good things about marrying a member of the royal family? And secondly, what would be some challenges in marrying a member of the royal family? These are your two questions. So take a couple of minutes, bunch up. Kids, say what you think as well.
All right. So you've, you've probably thought about some of the good things, like not having to worry about money, perhaps, or being able to visit lots and lots of countries. Maybe being famous is something you'd like, or having influence to raise lots of money for charities. On the challenging side, you may have thought about dealing with the pressures of having not much privacy or even seeing things written about you in the papers that are not entirely true. You know, Mary and Joseph, they were not without challenges when Mary got pregnant. The pressures of society at that time um, also made it a tricky situation for them. So in the days of Mary and Joseph, in that culture, the fact that she was pregnant and not married was actually quite a dangerous one that could have even cost her her life. Joseph could have stood there and pointed her out to everyone else, said, this is the woman I'm supposed to marry and she's pregnant. What are you going to do about it? And she could have, he could have had her punished for it. And his initial response shows that he actually cared about her enough that he wouldn't do that to her. But he was thinking about walking away from that relationship quietly. He didn't want her getting in trouble because he loved her. But as, of course, have you seen in the video... After a visit from the angel, he knew he was going to stick with her. At the end of the first reading in Luke, it said that Mary's response was this, I am the Lord's servant, may your word to me be fulfilled. That's a very thankful response, considering the consequences she could have faced. But do you consider also that Joseph, even though he's not recorded as saying anything about it, His actions speak volumes about his willingness to take on this task of being the earthly father of Jesus. His attitude also shows one of thankfulness. It shows that he's saying, I accept the job you've given me, and I'm going to be the best dad and husband I possibly can. And even in the pressures of this society, I'm prepared to go against them and love Mary and raise this child. That speaks huge amounts. So Mary and Joseph's response does show a lot of qualities about their character. And what stands out to me is that acceptance and thankfulness for the role God had for them. The second reading talks about how they were in the animal shed because there was no room in the inn. So I've got another question for you to have a chat around in your groups. And this is it. If the Prime Minister or a member of the royal family asked to visit your home... What would you do to prepare for their arrival? Okay, perhaps your preparation will begin with a bit of cleaning, maybe some fresh flowers, nice food, fancy coffee, none of this instant rubbish, 
Perhaps you get a new outfit to wear. But we, we know from the reading that the inns in Bethlehem were full because of the sense, census, nearly said senseless. It was one of the lines in the script, but it didn't quite make the cut. <laughs> All the people in Bethlehem were there for senseless, uh, a census. Where was I? <laughs> so as a result, they're there for the census, and Mary and Joseph end up in the stable because there's no room. Had the innkeeper known that these arrivals were carrying the Son of God, would he have acted differently? Would he have actually made room? We don't really know, because that didn't happen. But I think it actually demonstrates the humility of God that he's not prepared to demand his kingly status, and he will go wherever uh, he was. And that speaks a lot, I think, to our lives. When Jesus says, I want to stay with you, we sometimes feel that what we have is not good enough to offer. Jesus, you want this? All I can offer is like an animal shed. It's not clean. It's not pretty. Isn't much to look at. Heather, you're supposed to say something right now. No, nothing? No. So it's not much to look at. take you home today. <laughs> we, can, we can feel that our lives are like that stable. Dirty, unpleasant. And why would Jesus want that? I think I'll try and spruce things up a little bit first before considering allowing Jesus into my life. But what does Jesus say about it? If you feel you're not good enough for Jesus, then I reckon this is what he might say. I'm going to personalise it. Don, I started out in an animal shed. I've slept on hay. I've smelt the smells. I've seen the filth. I've heard all the noises. Those things don't worry me in the slightest. What I'm most interested in is you. You matter to me, regardless of the condition you think you're in. You see, Jesus wants to meet you where you are. He doesn't expect you to be perfect or near perfect before he comes to stay with you. So I'm grateful that I don't have to work at improving myself to become acceptable to Jesus. I'm grateful that Jesus accepts me as I am and where I am. There's no pressure from him to change me into becoming acceptable. This is it, folks. This is the package that Jesus loves. And my wife loves. So then how does change come about? It comes because I'm walking a journey with Jesus, getting to know him, and wanting to change because I am so grateful for how much he loves me. That's a really different feeling to that feeling of pressure that I have to change in order to become acceptable. Now, I've got one more question for you, but this time it's not in groups. It's for you to think about for yourself. And I want you to take a few moments to think about it. And the question is this. Where is Jesus for you this Christmas? You may have no room for him right now. Or you may want to provide a place for him, but just a little embarrassed about the state of the place, a bit like a stable. I think Jesus might see how unfit you are 
for such an important person to arrive. Or perhaps you have known Jesus for a while, but stable's a little bit kind of stagnant. Or Jesus may be the total center of everything you're doing, and this is a fresh reminder of just how good he is. So take a moment. Where is Jesus for you this Christmas? I'm so grateful and thankful for Christmas. Began by talking about Thanksgiving. But I'm particularly grateful for the gift of Jesus, the greatest gift, I believe. And why do I see him as the greatest gift? Well, it's because of the effect he has had on my family and and me. I've seen transformation happen. I've seen and experienced healing. I've seen relationships restored in my family. I've personally experienced transformation from a shy and introverted boy to a man who can stand in front of varying sized crowds and speak publicly. I'm not an intellectual in the sense that I can debate issues well, but I am convinced of the power of Jesus because of what I've personally experienced of him in my life. It hasn't all happened at once. I'm still learning and I'm still being transformed. I still experience struggle and hardships. But I do have a hope that gets me through. I've seen how he's worked in me in the past. And I know as hard as the next situation is, he's going to get me through the next one. I'm grateful and deeply thankful for the opportunity to follow Jesus. And I thank God each day for walking it with me. Let's pray. God, you are so good. We heard that at the beginning of the service. You are so good. You are gentle. You are kind. You're not worried about what we look like now, outside or inside. You just want to spend time with us. You're interested in us, regardless of the state of our thing, whether we look like a five-star hotel or a stable from Bethlehem. You are good. We thank you, God, for sending your son to come at Christmas time. Amen. Just going to invite Ben and Seb to come forward to guide us through our responses.